0: This morning we're starting our new series for Advent and we've called it, Oh What Wonder. You know, the word Advent comes from the Latin word, Adventus, which means coming. And Advent is a time of expectation. It's a time of preparation. When we look to uh, celebrating what for us as Christians is one of the most important days in our calendar. We look to celebrating and remembering the time when Jesus, our precious saviour, came into the world. And as I was reflecting on the meaning of Advent and this sense of preparation, it just reminded me of when John and I went to the live recording of the C3 vocals in Nottingham if you 're if you're not up to speed with that, our amazing C3 vocals managed to get themselves in the, in the final of the BBC Gospel choir of the Year. The first, the first episode was aired um, on Songs of Praise last week, and the final is today, so we get to see who won. Um, but John and I actually got to, the, to go to the live recording in Nottingham, and we, it was fantastic, but as soon as we got there, we realized we were not prepared to be supporters so because it was a live recording, they, would, they were wanting to sound check, not just sound check the choir and those that were singing, but also to sh- sound check the audience. So they wanted to know, you know how people clapped and how people cheered and so on. And so we had to practice beforehand. They went through each of the choirs, they would call out the choir by name and then you were to stand as the supporters and clap and cheer as best you could. We were fourth out of five, and so they called out the C3 vocals and all of us that were there, maybe about 20 of us. We stood to our feet, we clapped, we cheered with everything that we had, and then we sat down. And then came the fifth choir. They were sat literally about 10 feet away from us, so we were on the floor, they were on the risers. There were so many of them that they filled the whole bank of risers from top to bottom. And literally, as soon as David Grant, the presenter, called out the choir's name, it was literally like a gun, a starter gun went off in a race. Because literally, the entire bank of risers just leapt to their feet. All you could hear was the noise of the seats popping behind them as they jumped up. And oh my goodness, they didn't just cheer, they didn't just clap, they didn't just smile, they had banners, they had pom poms, they had the moves. I mean, We just looked at them, and we were like, they were ready to celebrate. I mean, there was no doubt in anyone's mind which choir they were with and who they were supporting. And my husband, John, looked at me, and he said, Jen, we should have brought a banner. I'm like, I know, I know, we should have brought a banner. And all of us together were like, guys, we're going to have to up our game here. Okay, we might not have the banners, we might not have the pom-poms, but we're going to do our level best to make sure that the C3 vocals know that we're here and we're backing them 100% of the way. By the end of the evening, my voice was absolutely hoarse from all the shouting, and my face, the muscles in my face were so tired from all the smiling, but it was such a brilliant evening, and uh, we just came home with such a full heart. But you know, that experience just made me think, You know, we've called this series, Oh, What Wonder. And I'm just wondering how much wonder, how much awe, how much expectation, how much excitement are you bringing into this Christmas season? Will you be ready to celebrate? You know, celebration is actually a spiritual discipline. You see, when when we celebrate, we're stirring up that life of God within us. We're reminding ourselves, Yes, Jesus, you're the reason we're here. You're the one we worship. You're the one we adore. We love you, Jesus. But you know, the the nature of celebration in the sense that it's an outward expression of an internal belief is that that celebration overflows and spills out onto the lives of others and other people can see it. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just, just kind of rock up to Christmas day and not be ready. I want people around me to know there's no doubt in our minds who she worships. There's no doubt in our minds who she celebrates, that she's a lover of Jesus. And that's why we do this series for Advent to help us prepare to celebrate. And so we're gonna be exploring four different Christmas carols, four of the most popular Christmas carols. And the carol that I've chosen today, in case you haven't already guessed, is perhaps one of the most famous. It was written by Isaac Watts. He's known as the godfather of hymn writing. He actually wrote more than 750 hymns in his lifetime, which is just incredible. And it's the carol, Joy to the World. You know, joy is spoken about so much at Christmas. I'm actually from a very big family. I'm one of seven children, the second eldest of seven children. So you can just imagine how much joy, how much excitement there was in our home around Christmas time. And one of the things I used to really love and look forward to was the Christmas stocking. And in our home, there was a real distinction between the Christmas stocking, which was from Father Christmas, and then we would get a main present from our parents. Well, one year, I would have been about six or seven, my mum was just explaining to us as children that they didn't have a lot of money that year, and actually, we wouldn't be able to get a very big present for Christmas. And my mum tells the story that apparently I just looked at her and I said, it's OK, Mummy, don't worry. We don't need a present from you this year. We'll just have the ones from Father Christmas. <laughs> well, as you can imagine, my mum was greatly comforted by these <laughs> words. But I want to ask you a question today. Who or what in your world brings you joy? Who or what in your world brings you joy? You see, I believe as Christians, we need to know the answer to that question. And never more so at this time of year and in the age of social media, because there is a whole world out there competing to sell you their version of what the joy at Christmas is all about. And you know, many of the things that they're advertising can bring some level of joy. The joy of giving and receiving gifts, you know, the joy of decorating the Christmas tree and putting up the lights, the joy of enjoying delicious food. But the subtle underlying message is that we need all of those external things in order to have joy, in order to be happy. And that's why I love this carol, Joy to the World, because it tells us about a different kind of joy. It's a joy that's not connected to a season of the year. It's not connected to external circumstances. It's not connected to what we have or don't have. It's connected to actually what what lies at the very heart of what Christmas is all about. You see, Joy to the World tells us right from the very first verse Joy to the world, the Lord is come. We have joy because Jesus is here. It reminds us of the account in Luke where the angel appears to the shepherds and she says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. You see, Jesus came into this world as a baby, but he was always the savior. There was a reason why Jesus was born into this world. You know, the Bible tells us that there is a God in heaven who loves us so much. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He sent the most precious gift he had, his son Jesus, so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. All of us here who believe in Jesus once. At one time we were disconnected from God, disconnected from the love of our Father in heaven, but because Jesus came to this earth, because he died on the cross for our sin, we've now been reconciled to God. We have a new identity as God's children. We are loved. We have a relationship with our Father in heaven. We have a new sense of purpose in our lives and that brings us tremendous joy. You see, joy is connected to the person of Jesus. When you have Jesus in your life, you have joy. It's a supernatural joy. Thank God it's not dependent on our human personality. It's not dependent on external circumstances. And I've come across two definitions of of Christian joy, of this supernatural joy that you might find helpful. One of them is by Rick Warren, who's a well-known pastor and author in America. He says this about joy. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. John Piper is also an amazing author and speaker. He says this about joy. He says, joy is a good feeling in the soul, produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that actually joy is a a byproduct of the life of Jesus, of the fact that we're Christians, of the fact that we believe in Jesus. Joy flows out of us. You see, joyless Christianity is a contradiction in terms. One of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples before he left this earth was he said to them, stay connected to me. Stay close to me. And the reason that I'm telling you this is because I want you to have my joy. I want my joy to be in you and your joy to be in complete you see Jesus knew that we were going to need this joy oh we were going to need it you see the Bible tells us that is the joy of the Lord that is our strength you know Bill Bill Johnson who's a pastor in America he says if the joy of the Lord is our strength then we're only as strong as our level of joy I think that's really thought-provoking isn't it It was joy that enabled Jesus to face the agony of the cross. It says, because of the joy set before him, he endured the the cross. But not, not only that, you know, we need joy. God has worked into our DNA as human beings that actually for our healthy functioning as human beings, we need joy, we need laughter, we need humor, we need fun in our lives, don't we? I mean, he's given us the ability to smile. He's given us the ability to laugh because those things, we need those things. The Bible says that a merry heart does good like a medicine. How many of us could, could testify that, you know, how good it feels when we've just had this, the most belly laugh. When we've got tears of laughter pouring from our eyes, it does us good. It releases endorphins, it lowers our stress levels. It boosts our, our system, it lifts our spirit. We need joy, but not only that, you know, we are ambassadors of heaven and heaven is a joyful place. Joy is a hallmark of heaven. You see, the kingdom of heaven is about righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is part of the character and nature of God. Do you know that God is so joyful? He's a God who sings, he sings over us. He sings over us, he delights over us. You know, we read in the New Testament about the story of the prodigal son, of a son who'd wasted and squandered half his, inher- his father's inheritance. And yet, as he begins to make his way back, the father runs to him, embraces him, and he says these words, we had to celebrate. We had to celebrate. He throws the biggest party because he says, my son was dead and now he's alive again. Heaven knows how to throw a party. But if all of this is true, why don't we experience more joy in our lives? Why don't we experience more of this joy? You know why, why I think it is? Because life is hard. Life is hard and life can knock the wind out of us. You know, as we go on, we can, we, as we face challenges and as we face struggles, we can stop expecting joy. We can stop looking for joy. And I know personally in my own life, I realised that I've neglected joy. I've focused on, on other things, maybe developing patience or kindness. Not that those things are wrong, but somehow maybe they seem more worthy than joy. I don't know, I don't think it's even been a conscious thing. But I just really felt in my own life that I've neglected joy. And in these last few years, I've felt God really challenging me and stirring me and saying, Jen, you need more joy you need more joy. But it seems that I'm quite a slow learner because when Steve, our senior pastor, sent out the uh, preaching series to the preaching team and he said, oh, which carol would you like to uh, preach from this Advent? And immediately I knew, oh, I want to do joy to the world because I really just want to grow more in this myself and it would be a good opportunity to just develop that and be able to share that. And then I told my husband, John, and he said, hmm, Preached on that last year. Not only did I preach on that last year, I preached on it at Christmas last year. So I was like, okay, God, I get the message. More joy, more joy. So I want us to just look at how, how do we experience this joy? How do we access this joy? And I want to go back to the carol and just look at three keys that I believe we can see in the verses. The first key, I believe, is in verse one. It says, let every heart Prepare him room. You know, the Christmas story tells us that Jesus was born in a stable because there was no room for him at the inn. And I want to ask you a question today. Is there room in your heart today for Jesus? Is there room in your heart today for Jesus because that's where true joy begins. I can still remember the first time that I opened my heart to Jesus. You know, I grew up as a Catholic. My parents were strict Catholics, so church was a non-negotiable. And I had some level of understanding of God, but I certainly wouldn't have said I had a relationship with him. But at the age of 17, my older sister and I, we were invited to a youth group at a local evangelical church. I mean, I never even knew such a thing existed. But we went along, we weren't quite sure what to expect, but we were really surprised to meet other young people there our age who were really passionate about their faith, who, didn't, who, didn't, who weren't ashamed to lift their hands in worship. And there was a visiting speaker that night, a youth pastor from another church. And at the end of his message, my sister and I both stood and we gave our lives to Jesus. We eventually joined the youth group and joined the church, and I can tell you those early days of knowing Jesus, there was so much joy. So much so that one night we came home from youth group and my parents actually took a photo of us because they said our faces were beaming. And you might not think that's unusual, okay, but this was in the day of no smartphones, No mobile phones, in fact, just a family camera, okay? So my parents would have had to go and find the family camera, get it out. We'd have posed with a photo, probably just one photo, not 20. But you know what, it just shows my parents were noticing there was something different about us. I can hardly believe it's more than 25 years now since that first decision. But there's one thing that I've learned over the years of walking with Jesus, and that's that we have to keep a really close eye on our hearts. Because the challenges of life and our own sin and our own failings can just squeeze out the life of God in us. And I know in my own life, the times when I've lost my joy are times when I've just taken my heart off Jesus and my heart has become full of other things. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Jen, that's me. I open my heart to Jesus and yet here today, if you ask me, my heart is is not open to Jesus. Well, there's an opportunity for you today to simply open your heart again. Jesus is here and he's ready to meet you. He's ready to welcome you with open arms. Let every heart prepare him room. That's where joy begins. The second key is this. Let men their songs employ. We see that in the second verse. Let men their songs employ. And it's this sense of, you know, God initiates the relationship. He fills us with his joy and then we reciprocate. You see, it's a partnership with us and the Holy Spirit. We are not passive in our faith. Joy is like a muscle that is developed in our lives as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You see joy at its root is really about character and unfortunately there is no fast track to developing character. Character is developed in our lives when we do the right thing when it's hard to do it. And in the same way joy is developed in our lives when we don't feel like joy when we don't feel joyful maybe when we're tired when we're frustrated when we're disappointed maybe when we're in pain but you know maybe what might be helpful here is to understand that there are different elements of joy different aspects of joy you see joy is not just about cheerfulness and exuberance In fact, it would be inappropriate to express that kind of joy at certain moments in our lives. For example, when when we lose a loved one, the most appropriate response when we lose a loved one is grief. You know, the Bible says there is a time to mourn. And so. It might just be helpful to understand these three different elements of of joy. And I did unpack these in more detail in my talk last year, but I just wanted to highlight them again because I believe that it can be helpful. The first element of joy, I believe, is comfort. Comfort is the joy of knowing in the moment of our deepest pain and our deepest sorrow that I am not alone that Jesus is with me, that underneath me are the everlasting arms. In the midst of that deep sorrow, if you can experience and, and allow God to comfort you, you're experiencing his joy. It's the joy of his presence, the comfort of his nearness. The second element of joy, I believe, is contentment. Contentment is the joy of discovering that only God can truly fill our deepest longing, our deepest desires. It's when we can truly say, God is enough for me. It reminds me of that Graham Kendrick song, All I once held dear, built my life upon. All this world reveres and wars to own. All I once thought gain, I've counted loss, spent and worthless now compared to this. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. The third element of joy, I believe, is cheerfulness. And you know, cheerfulness is the joy of enjoying the journey. It's about having fun along the way. It's taking time to to notice the views, to smell the flowers, to smile at the people we meet along the way. And I wonder which one of those aspects of joy most resonates with you at this moment in your life. You know, for me personally, one of the things that I've really been trying to work on this year is cheerfulness. You know, John and I, my husband, we we have a lot of fun together at home. We laugh a lot. We're constantly playing tricks on each other, and one of my favourite tricks that I love to play on my husband is I love to just hide at random times and just... (laughs) when he's least expecting it, and then just jump out and scare him, try to scare him. That's the goal. Most of the time, I ruin it because as I hear his, him the pastor of his feet coming towards me, I can't stop myself laughing, <laughs> so I give it away. But a few months ago, I did a great one. Okay? So he went to walk our dog, Maggie, and um, I hid in the coat cupboard. I knew that he'd be coming back, and the first thing he would do when he got back would hang up his coat. Okay, so I hid in this coat cupboard, and I had to hold the coat, like coats on the door so the door doesn't shut properly, so I was holding the coats to kind of keep the door closed. And um, as he came in, I could hear him, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to burst out laughing, I'm going to burst out laughing. So I shoved some scarves in my mouth <laughs> to stop me from laughing. And, and literally, he came round the corner, and I went, boo! And he had the fright of his life, it was just brilliant. So, Maybe you want to try that this week. You never know what it might do for your marriage, you know? But, you know, I've I've been trying to think about how, how can I bring that same level of fun, maybe not the same level, but how can I bring some element of cheerfulness into my everyday, into my, you know, the people that I meet in my work and... The people that I meet in the supermarket and, you know, wherever I am, how can I bring that sense of joy, that sense of cheerfulness? There's a hallmark of the kingdom of God. Comfort, contentment, and cheerfulness. I wonder which one of those aspects of joy most resonates with you at this moment in your life. Because I want to encourage you to employ your song. Employ your song, cooperate with the Holy Spirit as he develops your character and forms in you this deep level joy that only he can bring. And the third key, I believe, is found in the third verse and it says, and makes the nations prove. What is it that God is wanting the nations to prove? The glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. You see, I believe one of the evidences of joy being formed in our lives through the Holy Spirit is that our joy begins to align with God's joy. That the things that bring God joy are the things that bring us joy. And what brings God most joy? People, you and me. He wants to find the lost, to seek out and find those who are lost, those who are disconnected, from him he's the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to go after the one and I believe that as we experience this joy we'll have this deepening passion and desire to see the lost found and you know over Christmas time I believe Christmas is such a a key time it's such an amazing time to actually reach out to those in our world that don't know Jesus and to invite them you know, we've got five services, five, five Christmas concerts over the Christmas period, and I wanna encourage you to be thinking about who you can invite. Who can you invite, who can you bring? And you know, as I was preparing, I just really felt God say to me, to say to you that maybe there's people in your world and you've asked them time and time and time again, and they've said no, ask them again. Ask them again. You see, the Bible says that the fields are white unto harvest. What does that mean? It means that there are people out there that are longing to meet Jesus. They don't know it yet. They need to meet Jesus. They need this Saviour. And God is looking for us. We are not passive in our faith. He's looking for us to partner with Him and to bring in the lost, to bring in those people in our world that don't yet know Jesus so they can come into a context like this and they can hear there is a God in heaven do you know why you were born? You, there is a God in heaven who chose you before you were born, who knew you. Don't we want others to hear that message and to experience the same joy that we have experienced? Christmas is, a, is such a great opportunity to actually see that joy of others coming to know him. As we conclude, you know, you may not know this, but joy to the world was actually never meant to be a Christmas carol. It became that, it evolved into that over the years as other composers, contributors got involved, but it never started out as that. Actually, it was based on Psalm 98, which talks actually about the second coming of Jesus. You know, Christmas is a time when we celebrate the first coming of Jesus, but Jesus is coming back. He's coming again, and you know, our joy as Christians is not just connected to what Jesus did it's not just connected to his presence in our life his faithfulness and his ongoing love it's also connected to the future there's a future joy that awaits us as Christians the joy of spending eternity with Jesus you see one day Jesus is coming back for his church And he's going to take us with with him to heaven. And you know what? In heaven, there is only joy, never ending joy. You see, the Bible tells us there will be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sorrow, no more suffering. So we have this future joy. And as we close, I, I just want to play this beautiful song by Matt Redman. And I want to invite you to just rest, just sit in the presence of God. Jesus is here. He's here. And if you'll allow him, he wants to draw near. He wants to encourage you. He wants to remind you, you're so precious to me. I have not forgotten about you. You may feel forgotten. But I have not forgotten about you. I just want you to allow God to minister to you as we consider this future joy.